everyone. This is Bethany. And this is Dalton. And this is Looking for the Middle. A podcast about stuff and things. Stuff and things. Or a Christian's guide to dating. Yes. And a modern one at that. <laughs> My intros are way better. I just shoot from the hip. They I just throw it out there. Something. We are glad you're here though, guys. We have spent the last probably 30 minutes kind of fine-tuning our outline here. And we really made some great progress in our alliteration skills. So we're excited for you guys to um, to hear that here in a minute. But first, let's talk about all of the normal housekeeping-y things we talked yeah, about boy. at the top, which are, gotta think for a second, oh, social media. If mm-hmm. you don't follow us on social media, make sure you do that. You we should. are LFTM Podcast on Instagram and Looking for the Middle Podcast on Facebook, part 1A for social media. We also have a Facebook group. That is a community for you guys, for the ladies out there uh, of Looking for the Middle to hang out and talk with one another. So you can look for LFTM community on Facebook and request to join that group. It is public to search, but private to join. So you can send in a request. Do we have a MySpace? Uh, Obviously. Yes. (laughs) We have like three friends too. this MySpace. (laughs) I never was allowed to have a MySpace. Yeah, we snuck on there as kids. <laughs> I was going to say, you're way younger dad. than I am. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay, so that was social media. Second thing, uh, make sure you sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. We send out a weekly newsletter on Thursdays, the day after the episodes air. You can go to our website, lookingforthemiddle.com, sign up there, or there's a link in our bio on Instagram for that too. And then last thing, I realize we haven't mentioned, I don't think at all this season, that we do have a Patreon. <gasps> How dare we? Which is... A great way for you guys to support the show, to get extra content. There are additional episodes and Couchcast every month just for our Patreon supporters. And you also get all of our content two days before the general public. So any fun announcements or exciting things, you find out before everyone else. There's a couple of different like support levels on there. So if you... I think you can just search for us on Patreon.com or go to the link in our bio on Instagram and it'll take you there as well. I think that wraps up. Housekeeping, yes? Take a deep breath. <gasps> We're ready to go. Okay. Question, question of the day. Question of the day. Sometimes when I'm stumped and I don't have a good question, I look up, would you rather questions for kids? So that's Which what I did today. Good with me because I am a child. So would you rather go yes. on an adventure with Moana or live in the jungle with Mowgli? Moana. Why? First of all, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I can <laughs> Is see it really? every song in that movie. I've seen it probably a hundred times. I love Moana. I had no idea. I love it. Oh, that's funny. Um, So, yeah, she adventures a lot better than Mowgli does. Mowgli is he's not the smartest child in the world. That's he gets a good lost point. easy. He is uh, tricked by all. Just because he beats up Shere Khan does not mean he's... He's good All people. All that. <laughs> the tiger lived, so. Uh, fair point. He's not that good at it. And he abandoned the jungle for a girl anyway, so. I mean, I feel like that's pretty real life, you know? I mean, yeah, but <laughs> Moana's pretty epic. It, okay, fine. Um, I do like the music better in Moana. And I would say Moana, too, but my answer is strictly from a very vain, girly standpoint of, I don't want to have to deal with the bugs and the humidity in the jungle. I'd much rather be on the ocean. Now, hold on. If you would have said blue, oh, completely different ballgame. <laughs> as much as I love Moana, blue. He's pretty awesome. Epic. 
That is a total bro right there. I would love to hang out with him. He's always around Mowgli, so you kind of get not true. one and the other. Mowgli I mean, runs away. Well, oh, okay, fine. Because Mowgli is a turd. Okay. Moving then, on. Then there we have it, guys. You didn't know that I was going to be so uh, anti-Mowgli. <laughs> I, I really didn't. I, I was 50-50 on what I thought you would pick. I had no idea it would be that easy of a... Of an answer for you. I was on the academic team in elementary school. It was smart at one point. Uh, it was quick recall, so they'd ask you a question, you yeah. hit this little buzzer, and then you'd answer. I, I was not the smartest one on the team. I was smart enough to get on the team, but not the smartest one on the team. And by that I mean, I was probably the dumbest one on the team. But they let me be on the quick recall team. Still don't understand why. Oh, dear. And they would ask all sorts of these math questions and deep questions that I would never know the answer to. But then they got... To Disney, <laughs> you were like, and one of them was asking, this, "What is what is the uh, the main character, little boy in the Jungle Book?" But I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name, so I kept going, "Mopley." Like, I'm I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, Mopley. Like, can you can you pronounce that one more time, Mopley? I said both B and the G at the same time. They go, we don't know exactly what you're saying, so we're going to give that point away. (laughs) Neither do I. And then the team on the other side said it, and I was like, that's what I said. I didn't. I didn't say it. I was not confident. So I also have some trauma attached to that name, in case you were wondering. it just doesn't. I'm sorry. Moving on from my past trauma. I thought these kids' questions would be safe. I didn't mean for it to be, like, triggering. It's triggering. I hate that word. I do, too. It's so overused. Dumb word. Are you triggered? If I'm triggered, that means I just shot you. So, no, I'm not. Have you ever been triggered? I mean, at a gun range, not at a person, okay. but at a target. Just just making sure. Got it. I okay. have many a guns. Like you said, moving on. <laughs> moving on up. We are talking today about things that you should talk about before you get engaged. Ooh. So... From, I'm obviously thinking of this from a girl's perspective. You've met this guy. He seems awesome. Mm-hmm. You've been dating a while. And you're like, okay, now now what? Like, what should be those defining things that are like, okay, if we get green lights on these, we're getting engaged. So let's jump in. Let's jump into it. Okay. Um, backstory. You weren't even prepared for this backstory. Oh, yay. I've been here. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know the story, but yeah. I, I have been here. I've been in the, the conversations preparing for engagement. Yeah. Um, it did not end necessarily how we wanted it to, but in God's providence, it ended exactly how he had planned it to, and I'm so thankful for that. So I've been here, and it's bringing up past conversations that I wish we would have done better, or mm-hmm. maybe we did well. So yeah. I'm actually I'm interested to go back through this and kind of mentally rehash some stuff, yeah. even if I'm not going to really talk about it. Just but I've of, been here, so yeah. don't at me if you're saying this single dude is up here talking about <laughs> it. Been there, done that. That's good, yes. And that's good. So that's a good point, too. Feel free to interject those backstory things whenever because a lot of my backstory was, like, current story mm-hmm. in, like, previous seasons. So, like, everybody knows I was really close to being engaged in 2019. So, but it happened, like, they knew about it then as well so 2016 wow it's been were, a few years overachiever <laughs> um but no but if really that's a good thing to to interject because i know that stuff because we talk about stuff off the air all the time but yeah to keep people kind of 
in the loop on your perspective and all of that. So first thing we're going to talk about here is kind of taking a look at, okay, like past, present, and future. Mm. First big things you should probably talk about. Um, so talking about the past, let's go there first. You had a really good way of summing up talking about your past. So go with it. I think it's a really touchy issue uh, because there's a lot of layers and a lot of complexities that go with the past. It, it's not only just a dating history of I've dated three people in the past or talking about your backstory of I grew up in a Christian home and those type of things. You should have those things nailed down at yeah. that point. A lot of the conversations surrounding the past when you're preparing to get engaged is around trying to figure out how the best to say this, uh, sexual history. Uh, you can even go with dating history. And honestly, you can talk about people that you thought you loved in the past because that there's a layer to that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of difficulties that can come with this conversation. And oftentimes I find that people get overly detailed when they start to talk about their past. The problem that I have with getting overly detailed when you're diving into the past and talking about this is where I've been, what I've done, who I've been with, those type issues, you're developing an intimacy that I don't necessarily think is healthy in the pre-engagement or even sometimes in the engagement stage outside of premarital counseling. I am a big proponent of premarital counseling. I think every couple should have to do premarital counseling before they get married. Agreed. No exceptions. Hold on, pause. Question. I've heard of this more lately than I, I don't know if it's a new thing or if I'm just hearing about it more, is actually Mm pre-engagement counseling. What do you think about that? Well, I've heard pre-engagement, premarital, and post-marital counseling. Okay. Um, So three different stages. I think it's interesting. Um, I was listening to a Vody Bauckham series two days ago. It's uh-huh. uh, it's older. It's He looks a lot different now than he did. <laughs> yeah. um, it's his Love and Marriage series, four-part series. In the very beginning, he talks about counseling a couple that were talking about getting engaged, and he looked at them after two hours and said, you really shouldn't get married. Hmm. Now, they ended up getting married because it was his sister-in-law, and he really was not willing to die on that hill, having only been married for a few years. <laughs> but I... I don't put a ton of stock in that pre-engagement counseling to say you absolutely have to, like yeah. I do premarital counseling. But I think it's a good resource that you can use to decide should we get engaged. Okay. Not necessarily down the road of what marriage looks like in premarital counseling and having to work through some of those issues of should we even be entertaining the thought of being engaged. So I think if if you're not totally convinced you're talking about it. Yeah. A pre-engagement counseling would probably be helpful. Okay. Just to dive into that and see some issues that are present. And we'll talk about a lot of those issues that you have to think about. And later yeah. on in this with our super alliteration. <laughs> um, but past, back back to that, that concept. Don't develop too much intimacy because it leads to further dangers in the engagement process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of just, I don't know, think of it as a strictly factual conversation that just gives someone the information that they would need to know to, to yeah, to decide whether or not to continue on or not. Because for some people, especially you were talking about kind of like a sexual history for some people, like there are things that are deal breakers within Mm -hmm. that. And so 
you wouldn't want to find those things out prior after you've already gotten engaged. But other than that, kind of like yes, no questions, it's more a matter of like, okay, but so what are your thoughts and views now? Like, okay, you've made mistakes. There's maybe there's been sexual sin in your past, but right now, what is your view of sexuality? What is your view of, um, you know, the boundaries that go with that before you're married, which kind of moves into then. So we've talked about the past moving into the present. Um, obviously, well, I won't say obviously you should have talked about and set boundaries for your relationship way, way, way long time ago, early in the really at the outset. Yeah. So set that for your relationship. Um, but here in the present, okay, you're kind of at this place of like, okay, we're going to step into an engagement phase now. Don't you think it's probably time to have another boundaries conversation? Mm -hmm. Um, well, let me go back for a second. Okay. Sorry. Let me go back to the past. Um, (laughs) Because I think there's an important conversation that needs to be had in this, and it's going to be a tiny soapbox. Okay. I always get on these. Um, If you have a past, Mm -hmm. a past history, and you're the person walking into that conversation, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Absolutely. That that has been redeemed. You are forgiven. So don't walk into that conversation just saying, all right, this is everything that I've done, and I should probably walk away from this relationship because I'm not a good person. Well, that's true. You're a sinful person. Yeah. Redeemed by the grace of God through the blood mm-hmm. of Christ. And and for the person that's receiving those, there might be one person in the conversation that has a history and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. For the person that doesn't have a history, extend grace. Absolutely. And listen. Uh, but it is important to have those conversations because that might be a deal breaker for some people. Yeah. And if it is a deal breaker, that's kind of a gray area and, and do what your conscience bids you to and what you lead feel the Lord leading you to. Yeah. Um, but I, I would want to really stress the importance of the grace of God in redeeming broken yeah. situations. But it does go back into the present here. Yeah. Of once you are engaged, so the conversation goes well. I call it personal bullet points. You walk through. Yep. You, you tell your history, but bullet point style. You're not going uh, deep into details. When you get engaged, you're opening up a whole new can of worms. Because for a lot of people, they see the ring on the finger, even though you haven't made that covenant before the Lord, the ring on the finger as an open invitation uh-huh. for a lot of, I'll say, foolishness. Well, because we're going to get married anyway. Yeah. Like that, that, that justifies a lot in people's minds, I think. But Where you're, it should, yeah. you're justifying sin. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's okay. I'm just saying that is the rationale behind justifying it as well. We're going to get, get married anyway. So it's basically okay which is not the case. I also think part of that present conversation, talk about boundaries, set those things in place, but very quickly talk about when are we getting married? Mm-hmm. And I am of the opinion, and I, I know you are in favor of shorter engagements too, but I am of the opinion a um, an engagement should last no longer than it takes to plan a wedding. Mm-hmm. And planning a wedding takes far less time than the modern wedding industry will tell you it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I try to not make like super definitive, absolute statements sometimes. So I'm not going to say this super definitively, but I would be hard pressed to ever be convinced that you need to be engaged for a year. If you are at a place where you're getting engaged and you have to wait a year or more to get married, I don't think you should get engaged yet. 
I think that there can be extreme extenuating circumstances. There, yes, like with distance being an absolute statement, but but on the premise, I would agree with that. Yeah, that because again, you're opening up just so much in that, and that's why these conversations about boundaries are so important. That you are putting extra safeguards in preparation for marriage, not stealing joys that are rightfully owed to a marriage relationship. So the I think at the very beginning of a relationship set boundaries yeah in the engagement when everything is ramped up and it's basically like you're living in a pressure cooker until (laughs) you get married you really need to be on guard yeah and practical steps that i really see coming out of this is be on guard with your alone time yes one of the greatest dangers for every couple that is engaged in preparing to get married is putting together their first apartment or their first home together because typically one of the other is in the house. Typically it's it's the male. If you're in an apartment or a home, he's living there Yeah. in the lead up to it unless you have an interesting lease situation where you're going to be living with some other people, which yeah. happens. Um, so he's going to be living there. She's going to want to be coming over to set it up and make it feel like right. home. Something that my friends did, this is years ago, that I absolutely loved is anytime. They they were going to be together in the apartment. They called me and asked if I would come over first. I think that, yeah. And I, I was super close to them, and I didn't care about third wheeling at that time. So <laughs> yeah. I just showed up. I would hang out. I'd do homework and let them do their thing. Yeah. I Sometimes I was a fly on the wall. Yeah, just to be that accountability. Well, and that's a, a boundary I have for myself. Engaged, not engaged, whatever. Yeah. I don't spend time alone. Mm-mm. In my house, his house, anybody's house. <laughs> alone with someone that I'm dating. I just, you know, and when you live on your own, that's difficult. Mm -hmm. I get it because that means you always have to go somewhere. Um, There's no, oh, just come back to my apartment and we'll just watch a movie and order pizza, which is cheap and easy and you don't really want to go anywhere. Like, I get it as well. Like, I get that that's the the more difficult way, but Mm -hmm. I think, I'm not trying to impose my convictions on anyone else, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Um, because there is so much temptation you open yourself up to. And then, yes, especially then once you add on to, we are getting married. Like, that has been established. And this is our place. Like there, like you said, it's a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me ask. I had this conversation, and this is not necessarily surrounding. A little bit is or on engagement. But yeah. now I just rabbit trail here. Because okay. I had this conversation with someone on Tuesday. And okay. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. In terms of dating and even engagement spiritually okay what level of intimacy is okay in terms of praying together or reading the word i have my thoughts but i'm interested to see what you have to say first i i think it's fine especially the further along you go um if you're like oh well hey let's do this let's do this devotional together um that you kind of like you're doing separately and then you discuss that's fine just kind of have some commonality there i think that's fine i think uh prolonged deep discussion of whatever i don't know i think that creates an intimacy that's just not quite appropriate especially when you're just dating yeah maybe maybe once you're engaged maybe that that ramps up a little um i also think spend i I encourage people not to spend extended periods of time in prayer with that person, I just think that's a very intimate thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that 
dating and really even engagement is the time for that. Um, there's plenty of time for that. My my practical two cents on it yeah. in dating, I am a no on Bible studies just okay. in general. I, I I think you're opening yourself up to a spiritual intimacy that can be dangerous. I'll offer a caveat in a second because I can see the wheels turning. I just had a question as um, to define that term, I guess, a little. Like sitting and studying the scriptures together, doing okay. a Bible study, doing a devotional together. But, uh, hold on. I just that wasn't really a question. We're, we're, we're going <laughs> to circle around to all of these things. In terms okay. of prayer, I am, I am comfortable and okay with praying before a date, praying over a meal. Short, sweet, to the point. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. If it's intentional, deep times of prayer together again spiritual intimacy you have this next point is going to get it gets tricky because yeah. there's a line here of going back to reading the word and those type things you are not and i repeat not one another's accountability partners absolutely absolutely not, not. and that goes though also with studying the word when you're dating you're not sitting there holding one another accountable to mm. have you read the word today yeah because we talk about this all the time, spiritual leadership, spiritual headship falls into the category of father, husband, pastor, yeah. and you're none of the above. So you're not the accountability partner on those things, but you can do a check-in. Yes. There, there can be conversations of, hey, I was reading in, in Hebrews the other day, and I really, this stood out to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And you, and you can bounce ideas off of one another and yeah. have those conversations. And engagement... I think you start to develop a little more of the patterns when you're in premarital counseling. And that's why I stress longer premarital counseling. Don't do it over just a span of a month. Like take a couple of months with your pastor and go through yeah. the premarital process because you're going to read books together and there's going to be homework and passages that you have to do together. And really the purpose of that is to do a spiritual inventory of where you're both at and to start developing patterns going into marriage of diving into the word together of the husband spiritually leading the home yeah even if it's not a full-fledged leadership moment can i throw in one practical tip that yep. i have learned over the course of working in a church and seeing engaged couples and premarital counseling and scheduling that for the pastor and all of those things um kind of piggybacking off we were talking about shorter engagements if you are getting engaged and you're like okay we're getting we're gonna get married in four months you know we get engaged like look, now is um well, we're recording this at the beginning of September. I don't know when it airs, but it's September. So if we're gonna we're gonna get married the first of February, right? Mm -hmm. Well, get as soon as you get engaged, the other details are gonna fall into place. Get with your pastor, the person who's marrying you, and get in premarital counseling mm -hmm. because I have seen it to where they get engaged. They're like, okay, we're gonna get married in four or five months. Um, so they start getting the venue, they get the dress, they get the stuff, they have everything set. Like the date is set, everything's reserved. And then they're like, oh, well, let's talk. Let's check in with the pastor and start getting some premarital counseling. And a lot of times, I mean, depending on the, pa the pastor's schedule, they may have to wait a couple of weeks to kind of get that on the books and get started. And then you're meeting every week and they've shrunk down this time. For Sometimes where it's like two months before the wedding, they're starting premarital counseling, which one doesn't give you a ton of time. It doesn't give you a ton of margin uh, for if you have to miss a day or whatever, but also at that point, you're going through premarital counseling. And I think part of that counseling is to, if there are any things that come up, to say, okay, we shouldn't get married. But if you're so close to the wedding date to where we've already spent all of this money, mm -hmm. 
the invitations have been sent. There are people coming and something comes up. I think there's a great temptation or pressure to overlook it because there's all this that's already happened. Um, so once you get engaged, you've picked out a wedding date. I feel like step number two is get in premarital counseling, Mm -hmm. get it. Even if it's like, okay, well, we're going to start in three weeks, like, but get it on the schedule because the longer you wait, I think it just kind of creates one. You don't have as much time. Like you were saying to have that extended period, but also if something were to come up, you have created, um, unnecessary issues (laughs) in decisions you're going to have to make. Well, and if you jump directly into premarital counseling, it helps the planning process. True. So if you get in a fight over centerpieces, (laughs) You can go straight to your pastor and his wife and say, we got to fight over centerpieces. Can you help us work through that? Pastor's wife's going to be like, we did too, honey. Don't worry. Exactly. So <laughs> you you will learn from their example yeah. and from their, their shepherding of how to work through these things. Because the planning process for a wedding is hard. Yeah. Because you have a lot of money that's going out there. You've got a guy that really doesn't care about any of it except for the, the I do moment. And you've got the girl that's trying to plan out her dream wedding that she's had in her head since she was three. So <laughs> yeah. there's Plot. a lot of pressure that's put on this. I think too much sometimes. I agree. But go into it knowing you are looking for godly leadership and shepherding through this season of people that have been there, done that, and can tell you from God's word and from experience how it ought to be. Yeah. I think that's key. Now, we have next on our list, we've been talking past, present, and future. I want to say this was purely for uh, creativity because all of these things, you can talk about them whenever you want and in whichever order you want. That is true. Because future is important to know before you're getting engaged, and that might be one of the first things you talk about. Yeah. But you do need to think about what direction do you feel the Lord leading you as the man, you as the woman, and do those directions align at least somewhat? Yeah. If they're complete polar opposites of, well, I want to move to Uganda and be a missionary. Well, I have absolutely no desire to leave my small town and I just want to work at the school. You've got problems. Yeah. Because God is not going to call the husband somewhere that the wife is not also called. Yeah. Now, there is always a, when these big conversations start off, one of them says, I feel called here, and the other one goes, well, let's talk about it, because I'm not sure. And then through the process of talking it through, you realize, all right, I'm going to trust my husband. I feel that calling. I can see it in him. We're going to go. But if it's crystal clear to one of you that that is not the direction I'm going, you need to stop right there. And it's okay if it's not. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things that you're like, okay, we don't line up on this. Mm-hmm. And both of those things are fine. But yeah, you. I think if you, if either of you say, well, we'll just go in and I'm going to change his mind or I'll change her mind, you're setting yourself up for... Hurt. Yeah, because you're probably, it, it will probably still end. You will just be way more attached mm-hmm. down the road. Um, so know what you're looking for. Be flexible yeah. in that. But know what you're looking for and where you feel the Lord leading you. Yeah. And if you have no direction to your life whatsoever, I think that should be a little bit of cause for concern. Sure. Now, I'm not saying, hear me on this, that you have to have everything lined out. You you know at this point how my 401k is going to build salary-wise, where you're going to be in five years. I'm not saying that. But if you have absolutely no idea what you want to do, where you want to be, yeah. how you're going to make any ends meet, maybe go back and do some analyzing of your heart and yeah. figuring out where you're at. Yeah. 
so that's that's kind of a, a bigger one, but you do have the long-term and short-term of the future in talking about. So what are a few things you look for long-term, short-term, and how your futures align or don't align? Yeah. Um, I think talking about kids is a big one because once you have them, they're there to stay. <laughs> um, and I, so, I mean, talk about, you want to talk about how many, if you want two kids and he wants eight, there probably should be a discussion mm-hmm. in there about finding a good common ground. Um, I think I'm just gonna hit some bullet points and then we can dive into them. that one church involvement, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even necessarily involvement, but like, are they the, plugged the, into a local church? Well, that, but then also like, okay, I, let's, I'm, I mean, I come from a background of, I, I prefer, I like smaller churches. I like, um, once we know everyone, I like, so just kind of talking about not only like involvement, but like, what kind of church are you going to like go to? Mm-hmm. And then community involvement is kind of an umbrella term, like another thing that I think you should talk about, whether that's volunteering, being involved in the community. Once you have kids, are they going to play sports? Like what things are important to your, maybe talking about like family culture is kind mm-hmm. of maybe a, a good way of putting it. Um, so that you're on the same page because especially to the ladies, if you're not, and you enter into a marriage where you're not, no, it's not your boyfriend's job to lead you. It's not your job to submit to your boyfriend. But once he's your husband, it is. Mm-hmm. And his, I mean, he shouldn't lord it over you, but like his, those are his, his decision goes at that point. And if you are not on the same page and you're going to resent him for that, you are setting yourself up for a world of hurt because resenting your husband over things that he told you were the case before you got married is not cause for divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't agree on anything. Well, you knew that ahead of time. But you went into it anyway. Exactly. So talk about these things. And this, I don't like when we talk about this stuff, you don't have to talk about it and say, okay, one, two, three, go. What do you think? And hope you both say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You may be at different places. You may have to define your terms. You may have to say, okay, well, what do you mean when you say that? Or I've always really wanted to do this. And there's compromise there. There's give and take. It's not going to be 100% of what either of you thought it would look like. But is there enough commonality and are you flexible enough to be able to make it work? It's not talk about these things so that you're in such agreement that everything will be easy and you never disagree on anything. That's Even though the two shall become one flesh, they do not become one brain. That is true. (laughs) You have different thoughts and different desires and wants. You need to make sure that they align in some ways. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect match all the time because yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect match yeah. which when you were talking i just on a, a, a side note all, people always talk about the submission of the wife of yeah. you have to submit to your husband what he says goes but no one ever talks about that the husband is to give himself up for the wife like mm-hmm. christ did for the church laying down his preferences and sacrificing those things yeah. for the good of his bride we need to learn to talk about both, both those things, but that's that. not what yeah. we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to talk about biblical manhood and womanhood later, so we maybe are. we could put that in with that. We'll put a pin there. Okay. It, these things are important, though. You yeah. don't want to get married to someone. First of all, if you're a Christian couple, and this is a soapbox again, and you're saying we don't want to have kids, please don't get married, because yeah. there is a commission to all of mankind of being fruitful and multiplying. God talks about the fact that children are a blessing. They are a heritage from the Lord. So if you are completely opposed to kids, you need to work that out before you get married because that is actually opposed to God's original design. Yeah. Now, caveat slightly. I agree with you, but I just want to... I think this can be a... uh, 
touchy subject a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially for a lot of girls. There may be medical reasons. There may be uh, even a, like there may be medical, that that it's not safe, that you can't. uh, Sure. We get that. That's that's not what we're talking about here. I think that's why adoption's so beautiful. Agreed. I, but yeah, I think anything outside of that is I just don't want to have kids. It comes down to a selfishness of because mm-hmm. what you're really saying is I don't want to be weighed down in that to mess up my life. I don't. I want to be able to go and do whatever I want to. Um, and I think that appeals to our flesh. That appeals to our sinful nature. But it's also prevalent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all you hear in society is oh. Well, you hear it in relation to marriage and kids. You go have fun, live your life, travel, do all the things you want to do before you're weighed down with a husband and kids or you're, you know, you're tied down to a wife and kids or whatever. Um, I hate that term. I, well, yeah, me too. I just, Tied that's, down. That's you mean what, blessed. Yeah, that, but that's what you hear. Yeah. And when you hear something constantly that obvious, that naturally feeds into your, your natural sinful heart. Those, those two things together are um, quite the, the combination. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I just wanted to put that caveat. There, uh, there are reasons, mm-hmm. and we realize that. And, you know, we've, we've talked in the past about how, okay, we can't caveat for every single situation. There's, all, you know, there's always something, but I did want to point that out. No, and I think it's a, so. a fair thing to point out. But to those that can't, I would say it's important to... Uh, find different avenues through mm-hmm. um, adoption or um, even just how you relate to other people of being yeah. involved in other families and uh-huh. serving them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a fair caveat. Yeah. I do think it is important to, to discuss all of these things before you get married. And uh, again, I'll say a lot of this is going to come up in premarital counseling, but you want to have a rough idea of where you're going before you get engaged. Yeah. Because in premarital counseling, that is, we're, we're getting ready for the real deal. Yeah. This is, we're making sure we want to get ready for the real deal. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like w- these things, before you get, once you get engaged, you're basically saying, hey, we, we have exhausted all the things we know to talk about and think about, and we think we're in a good place to get married. And then premarital counseling is kind of like saying, okay, well, we're going to bring in another set of eyes mm-hmm. to look at this and make sure y'all don't have blind spots and you didn't forget something. So premarital counseling is not the time to come in and say, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to talk about this, but now I'm going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Like talk about those things before you get engaged. And then premarital counseling is almost like a safeguard, a fail safe to have an objective third-party observer look and say, okay, yeah, y'all, y'all didn't miss anything. Or, oh, you did. And here, let's talk about this some more. Uh, like talking about like community involvement and stuff. If like, let's say you have kids and you grew up playing, this one kind of brings all three of kids, church involvement and community involvement. Like you grew up playing sports, you played travel ball. And so during the season you had tournaments on the weekends. I mean, I played one season of travel basketball and we had tournaments on the weekends and there would be 9am Sunday morning games. Okay. Well, obviously, I mean, either you're going to skip out on your team that you made a commitment to, or you're not going to church one or the other. Um, and so if you, it's really important to one of you that your kids have that sports experience and they're playing sports and you, you spend half of your year, you know, if you win, you're missing church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then the other person says, well, no, like that's not a, something I want to prioritize over church attendance on Sunday. That's like, that's going to cause some major issues down the road of, what your priorities are and you need to be on the same page about that 
not once little Bobby gets to fifth grade and is wanting to play travel baseball or basketball or soccer, whatever other travel things there are, this is a conversation to have before you ever even get to that place. I, uh, as the family minister, have my thoughts on what you just said, but I'm going to save all of y'all from me getting preachy, and we're just going to move on. You know what all of this is? What? Communication. Absolutely. Learning to communicate well. If you are approaching the idea of engagement because you have fun with this person, you think they look good, and you really enjoy being in their presence, we have so many more things to work through. (laughs) That's true. But... If you are modeling, hey, we communicate really well. We really love the Lord and serve our church together well. We, we serve the Lord and we communicate about everything that we should communicate about with yeah. good boundaries and good health. Okay, then we're, we're in a good spot. And yeah. I'm saying go for it. Yeah. But now we get to our super alliteration section. Yes, so we just came and off I'm the going future. To, uh, I'm going to realign some of these things, but I'm too lazy to change it in the notes. So okay. let's go uh, family finances, fun, faith, and we fight for the end. Okay. Or we can go faith first. Let's go faith first. Faith first? Faith first. Go for it. Get faith first. So um, (laughs) you really need to have a conversation as you're preparing for engagement on the big things of the faith. The only reason we said faith is because we wanted to make it match with all the other letters. (laughs) Um, Because it goes into beliefs, theology, what you believe about the church. Um, We're going to get on this conversation later on, so it's just going to be a bullet point. We're, yeah. we're doing this in a later episode, but you need to make sure that you have common beliefs and common practices. Is it, uh, do you disagree on primary issues on salvation, on yeah. uh, the church, on uh, the deity of Christ and those type things? You need to walk away. Yeah. If it's secondary issues, you need to have a conversation on why, if it's really important to you and understanding where each one is at, if it's a tertiary issue, move forward. Yeah. Well, and one thing to point out with this too, we're, This is, you know, things to talk about before you get engaged. They don't have to, like, all of these aren't things that you talk about right before you get engaged. Mm -hmm. Like, We're not talking day before. No, and like with this, you shouldn't be talking about, oh, so what do you believe about scripture? What do you believe about, you know, who Jesus was? Two weeks before, like, you've been dating for six or eight months and you're about to get engaged. If you're not in agreement on those things, we got our fish to fry. So it's things that, like, you should be able to be at the point about to get you know you're looking at engagement you should be able to look back over the course of your relationship and say check 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 we have covered all of these things at Mm -hmm. some point now one thing i will say though when it comes to like faith or theology topics is you should and hopefully would have talked about those big things way before so those are set you're in agreement you're fine but i do think it's a worthwhile conversation to have you know pretty closely leading up to engagement then saying okay Let's talk about those little things, mm-hmm. the secondary, the tertiary, those things. And because are they deal breakers? Not necessarily, but do you want to disagree on all of them? Also, probably not. Some people make third tier issues their primary issues, which is another That's different. Problem. But I want to throw out that here's something interesting that uh, we haven't talked about in terms of the faith. Okay. You have two people that go to two different churches. Maybe they didn't meet at church. Yeah. You got to have a conversation about that. That's actually been something I've seen, I think, in the Facebook. Well, it's probably been a couple months ago from when this is airing. But that was something that there were several questions kind of right in a row of like, okay, how do we find a church? Um, my own personal thought, and I'm just going to throw this out there. There's no real backing other than this is just what sounds nice to me. Probably because I'm super involved in church and 
I like the idea of instead of, oh, he's going to come to my church and try to assimilate, or I'm going to go to his church. I like, find your church. Mm-hmm. Start, d- depending on the situation, you know, if there are good churches in the area, like establish yourself as a couple from the get-go somewhere. Um, but that's just Bethany's. I don't, yeah, I definitely don't think that's necessarily a rule. You have oh, to it is live not by. at all. It's just Bethany's ideal. It's an option. Um, well, I think, I still think it's okay to visit the other significant other's church. So go see, hey, oh, what's yeah. his church like? Do I like it? You might fall in love with it. You might also hate it. Very true. And it might, yes. you might look at it and say, there's no way I'm getting plugged in here. Yeah. There is no community, no fellowship, and the teaching yeah. is wonky. Yeah. And you have to have that honest conversation. And he might come visit your church and fall in love with it and want to go there. And great. And if it's, uh, hey, we have some disagreements on the way the churches go, if it's not, again, primary issue, yeah. then you can start looking at other churches and saying, let's find a church where what you were describing, where it's our church. Yeah. I didn't come to his church or her church. It's our church. Yeah. This is a place that we're going to get plugged in. But you have to get plugged in. Agreed. Have to, have to, have to get Agreed. plugged in. As a new married couple, you cannot do the married life alone. You need the church. Yeah. You need the community and fellowship there of people investing in you that can call out your life and your problems. And that's why at the wedding ceremony, you got all those people there. <laughs> yeah. If they're believers, they're committing to hold you accountable in your covenant to the Lord. Mm-hmm that you are going to walk with integrity and obedience to God's word. So get plugged into a local yeah. church so you can have that week in and week out. Yeah. Well, and you'll know that's my my soapbox, my tagline, my whatever, is don't date in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the huge things that I always say with that is the only way to not date in a bubble is to not be living in a bubble now because you can't start dating someone and then just hope people are going to, come into that and speak into that and observe it because if they don't know you, they're not going to be helpful in observing this relationship. And so that's not something where it's like, okay, well you need community before and then don't date in a bubble and then you get married. And now that there's the two of you, that's not two people does not a community make mm-hmm. from that standpoint. Um, and so it's the same thing. You don't date in a bubble, but then you also do that so that you're not progressing in that afterwards. You have people speaking into your life and you know, in your relationship who then we'll see if you just disappear off the face of the earth and hold you accountable to that. So it's really basically just don't live in a bubble. Period. Yeah. Whatever stage you're in. All right. Faith and family. Okay. What are your thoughts on family in-laws? Go. Family and in-laws. Okay. I think this is something that it just needs to be talked about because, I mean, we all know the stereotypes that go along with in-laws, and I don't think that's fair a lot of times. But still... Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of change and a lot of stuff going on, going from single to married. And especially in those first couple of years, there is no need to add on additional stressors of Mm in-laws, family. Um, you know, so talk, what do, what do holidays look like? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to spend time with both of your families? I mean, to me, it, the way my family has always done it. And now it's kind of trickling down into like the kids as they get married is like, Okay, well, we spend Thanksgiving with one set of in-laws one year and Christmas, and then the next year you swap. And then yep. it's, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas with the other one. Well, that just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also come from, I'm close to my family. Um, if, 
your spouse isn't, or maybe they are, like that's going to look differently. But I think you have to talk about it because the last thing you need is to get down to October and then be arguing over holidays. Mm -hmm. And you find out then that your husband has to spend Christmas Eve with his family every year because they have all these traditions. And you're like, well, Christmas is really important to my family too. Like, Talk about that ahead of time. Yeah. Figure out a game plan because it sets expectations so that, you know, just like with so many other things, you don't wait until you're in the heat of the moment to then try to set expectations and boundaries and what the plan is because it's emotionally charged. Talk about that beforehand when it's not even an issue. It's not something that needs to be a consideration at that moment and get that set. But then I think talking about communication, it is key then to communicate what you have decided to the families. Mm-hmm. Um and then also kind of, I think it's smart to have a conversation of like, hey, it doesn't have to be this sit down formal thing, but just we're getting married. We're our own people. Like we're our own family now. And just kind of setting boundaries amongst yourselves. Like you can relay that to the family later, but talk amongst yourselves. Okay. What does our family input look like? Um, you know, I've seen it with girls who grew up really close to their family and they have a really close relationship with their dad. And so for all of their lives up until that point, they were doing things. And it can, this can be unhealthy even at a point, but like you're doing things for the approval of your father because mm-hmm. he's that authority, he's that figure in your life. And sometimes that's a hard switch to flip to where you still feel like you need to ask your dad. Like it's just this natural thing of like, oh, well, I need to see what dad thinks or what I should, you know, you talk to your husband, but then it's like, oh, well, let me call dad and see what he thinks, you know? And there needs to be that severing of ties a little bit. doesn't mean you can't both like as a couple say, hey, parents, we could use some insight on this, but you have to kind of set those boundaries. And I think you need, like if you don't talk about it, his expectations of those boundaries and your expectations of what those boundaries are may look different. So you just need to communicate about it. Yeah. Well, and for me, this, this point is a deal breaker in okay. terms of family because I'm super close with my family. Now, not to the point in which I do what you're just describing. If I were married, I'd be calling a family member and saying, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I would accept wise counsel from my father because he's my father. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm having to make that decision. But if you don't get along with my family... It's done. Sorry. Okay. Because I am the uncle to two beautiful little girls. You don't like them. We don't have anything else to talk about. Well, We're done so there. I think you there. still need boundaries, even if everyone likes everyone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying okay, that. But yeah. I'm just saying this is a deal breaker. If if my family and you don't get along, oh, yeah. we've got problems. Yeah, me too. I, um, I am of the, I think I'm abnormal. Uh, you I know are, I am. it's true. <laughs> I wasn't done with my sentence right there, oh, okay. <laughs> but I introduced guys to my family. Well, I mean, my family's local, so it's not hard, but like sooner rather than later mm-hmm. for well, the reason you were talking about of like, that's really, I'm close to my family. I like hanging out with them. And if someone really doesn't like them, then that's not something I'm willing to sacrifice for a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a sign to me that, okay, this is not the right person for me. Um, but at the same time, I also know myself and I know my blind spots. I know, or uh, I don't know my blind spots. They're blind. I know that I have them. Um, so here's this group of people, AKA my family who know me better than anyone who are well aware of my blind spots for me and can observe the relationship that I'm embarking on too. So I think, yeah, family involvement is really important, but then having boundaries once you're married is also good. Yeah. And there's also it, 
instances don't don't take my rule as should be the rule for everyone because there's instances where they can have unbelieving family they can have family that they've got some serious issues so it, to each their own in this conversation but you do need to have a plan going in place of how you relate to the other person's family yeah finances well, um, i had one no thing to family. man yeah so sorry. just really fast one thing i want to point out sometimes it can be like if you're really close to your family and the guy you're dating is not you can kind of think ooh, this is great because he can just come and do all the stuff with my family and we don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. but i think it can cause some problems you like you still need to talk about it because he's not close to his family. So his perception of how family operates different. is totally different from yours. So you're thinking, awesome, he can come to all the family birthdays and he can come to all the stuff because he's not close to his family. When in his mind, he's going, why do we have all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? So just, I was just going to throw that out there as something to consider. Okay. Good. What was, what was next? Finances. Okay, I just talked a really long time about family, so you talk about Well, money. I'm not going to talk a really long time about this one because I think this one's a little more straightforward. There are some nuances, but um, know, know your spending habits as a couple. So if um, he's a spender and she's a spender, uh, you're going to be poor. So have a financial <laughs> plan going in place here. Yeah. The greatest thing that my parents ever did was establishing one person is – the money watcher and the other person is not the money watcher (laughs) because a certain parent i won't rat them out likes to spend and a certain parent does not like to spend and they balance one another out really well can i point one thing out didn't you just talk a long time i yeah that's why i just asked i was asking permission (laughs) to continue talking (laughs) no but i think sometimes we get this weird idea of what gender roles are in a sense of, well, the man has to be the one to be paying all the bills because he's bringing home the money and yada, yada, yada. I'm not asking you to rat out your parents. I'm just saying that may not, that, that's not something that I think has to be gender specific. If, if the no. girl is the saver and the organized one and the whatever, fine, you be the budgeter. You keep track of it. He doesn't have to worry about it or vice versa. Bro, if you marry a CPA, good on you. You don't have to deal with that anymore. She's got your back. Exactly. This isn't something that has to be forced into some gender-specific thing because you have this idea of gender roles that this is not a... This It doesn't matter. So don't yeah. cause stress for yourselves when if you would just switch it, you'd be fine. I don't have a ton to say on this one just because I think a lot of this is addressed in premarital counseling. Fair enough. Um, but I would say going into it, know the other person's financial situation. Yeah. Know if they're walking into it with an exorbitant amount of debt. Yeah, I mean, if you've got tons of student loans or whatever, like, I don't just think that's go to something. Biden. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a political show. We're not getting on that soapbox because I could talk for a really long time, which I just did. I know. Don't. Anyway. Um... So yeah, I think this is just a matter of there shouldn't, you talk about this in premarital counseling, but I don't think there should be any bombshells when it comes no. to this once you get to premarital no, counseling. No. Um, so yeah, okay. I am completely lost now as to what we've talked about and what we haven't, we so tell me what's next. We are moving on to fun. Fun, finally. Common interest and downtime. Yeah. What are your thoughts quickly? <laughs> yeah, we are already at like 51 minutes. Um, yeah. Again, I think this is one that you will have talked about 
you don't, I don't know, this does not especially have to be a sit down formal conversation of please spell out what the first five years of our marriage are going to look like and all of our downtime and what we're going to do. This is just a matter of observing over the course of your relationship. Do your life rhythms match up? Mm-hmm. If you want to go out all of the time and you're super extrovert and you're super hang out with friends all the time, have people over all the time, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your significant other is super introverted and never wants to go anywhere, doesn't like having people over all of the time, whatever, that's also fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's And these are not, I don't think this is one where it's like, well, you know, this is a deal breaker. You, have, you should break up. I think this is a, awesome opportunity for some great communication between the two of you in that this is a place where this is not an absolute like character scriptural mandate. Like this is a place to both of you be gracious and selfless and Mm -hmm. say, okay, you know what? I'd really rather sit home and do nothing tonight, but you really want to go to this fall festival. I don't know. That's it's fall now. That's what's in my mind. Um, so I will do that gladly. Um, and vice versa. I really want to go out, but I'm going to stay home. Like, just talk about that and talk about what that looks like, the the give and the take of it, to make sure that you're at a place where it is sustainable for both of you. Because This is why I'm the best of both worlds. I'm a social introvert, so yeah. <laughs> you want to go out? I'll be social for a little while. You want to stay in? You got it. Yeah. That's uh, it. Yeah, Tom. I'm like, I am great. I can small talk. I can hang out. I can, but I'm going to hit a wall. And I can go take a nap. And I will want to go home. <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I think just know know what you like to do together. Know what you like to do yeah. apart. You don't have to do everything together either. Good point. Have have uh, have some people that you go to. Yep. You got your guys. She's got her girls. And you spend some time together because you yeah. need that type of community. Well, yeah, that's what we do. My So both of my, y'all know Lindsay and Mel. They both live close around here. And we <laughs> we have a sister movie night once a week on Thursdays. Um I'm still not sure why we still call it movie night. We haven't actually watched a movie in probably like four or five months at this point because we just get there and talk. But we always go to Mel's house. She puts the kids to bed. And so we have our little community tent. We hang out. We, you know, girl, girls night, whatever. And Trey goes downstairs in the basement and he plays video games. Like his friends, they have like this turn. I mean, I don't know a lot of video game stuff, but like. Oh, we know. they, (laughs) They have their like. They're on like a tournament team. Like it, they're into it. They, but that's something he loves to do, and he can hang out with his guys because they're all over the country, and they do that, and we can have fun girl time, and everyone gets their community cup filled. I get to make that sound so old. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> you were talking about video games is quite entertaining. Well, I know. I'm just I um my video game knowledge caps out at Mario Kart. And we sports. Great. You're doing wonderful in life. <laughs> Fighting. Learn to fight well. I feel like you're trying to pick a fight right I, now. I'm always trying to pick a fight. I'm always stirring the pot a little and bit. And I just make it so easy. Yep. Learn to fight well. Yes. Uh, you added this one, so run with it. I Again, I think this is a big topic you're going to talk about in premarital counseling. Um, so just the short tidbit on that. You need to really know how to engage with one another. If you have a disagreement, how do you fight? Um, how do you interact with one another when you're upset and angry? And if you're the type of couple walking into engagement that says, we never fight, uh, you're either lying to me or you don't talk. <laughs> so one of the two is a problem that you need to address. But do you fight well? Do you argue well? Do you repent when you get angry with one another? Do you confess that to one another? Um, or have you... 
learn not to raise your voice or not to be emotionally manipulative. There's a lot that goes into that, but um, know how the other person fights and how the other person gets angry and how they respond to that because, oh, it's going to do you so much good in the first few years of marriage. When you get into marriage, you are two sinners with your own preferences trying to merge the two things together to become one. There's going to be growing pains and there's going to be fights. No one walks into marriage having it perfectly figured out. No one goes down the road 30 years in marriage and has it perfectly figured out. So you're going to fight. How well do you fight with one another? Yeah, I feel like to me, a sign of a healthy relationship is not, oh, well, we never fight. It's how do you fight? Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like this is something that talking about those adjustments and trying to merge lives as we've gone on and as marriage, like first marriages get delayed and delayed and delayed more and more people are older and older when they get married. We don't really have, like it used to be that the, you know, the stereotypical thing was you grow up, you go to school, you go to college, you get married. And so you go from living with parents, roommates in college, spouse. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you grow up, you go to college, you get a job, you get your place. You let like, you know, you live five, six, seven years or more on your own setting your own routines, developing the way you do things, where you put stuff, how you load the dishwasher, like whatever. I I know it's trivial things, but like you set your own independent life. So instead of it just going from two people learning how to merge lives together, having just come from living with other people, like it's two very independent, self-sufficient lives that you're trying to like now put together, which I think adds to that a little Mm -hmm. bit. So I think it's a reminder to all of us as you're walking that somewhat older single life of hold all of those things loosely realize that you can't get too entrenched in your way of doing things mm-hmm. um because yeah once someone else comes into that it is going to change <laughs> as my father always says flex and obey for there's no other way <laughs> flex and obey that's oh, funny. so hokey but oh it's that's good funny. stuff <laughs> on that note I think it's definitely time I, I to wrap up. I think we're good, I'm yeah. I'm going to fall over in the floor in a minute. I'm so tired. <laughs> okay, so we will wrap it up there, guys. We will be back next week. Yeah, we will. So make sure you come back next Wednesday for another episode. But until then, I'm Bethany. And I'm not Kristen. <laughs> and this is Looking for the Middle. <laughs> <laughs>